0: Book Today's talk is Pei Zion, but as we just said, we're picking up a little bit behind on Pei Vav and we'll bet, um, four lines before the lines get wide. Um, and Amar Bar Banachmeni, so obviously we're in the middle of a long discussion about Tshuva, um, and as we were discussing right beforehand, you know, the whole fact that the Gemara now in the absence of all the avod of Yom Kippur, Tshuva is what you're left with, maybe Tshuva plus day of Yom Kippur, Tshuva plus Death, which leads to the Gemara trying to give some type of a structure and parameters in terms of how Tshuva works, under what situations it's affected, together with other things. So now we're also in the middle of just general discussions about the power of Tshuva. So let's take a look. I'm Rabbi Shlomo Yonassan. Tshuva is <laughs> great. no such extends your years. Shene Amar, so when you do tshuva, you will, you will live. Come and see that God's way is not the way of flesh and blood. The way of flesh and blood is if you, um, hurt somebody with your words. Even if you try to make up, it's a doubtful, it's a question whether he will agree to be appeased or not. Even if he uh, finally is able to be appeased and reconciled, sometimes words alone will do it. I'm sorry, you know, an apology. Sometimes it needs uh, something much more. But with God, even if a person sins to Him in private, um, it's actually interesting. The word the word baseter. What's baseter doing here? And actually, you might expect the context to be barabim, Almost looks the exact same word, but it is clearly barabim. Shenermer, dvarim takes us with you. Words. All I ask of you is no gifts, no acts, just words. Right, this is Rishuvah Hashem, return to God. So instead of korbanot, all you need is words. tova. Not only that, you know, that God actually is grateful for it. It's not like he begrudges it. He's grateful. It'll be something good that you'll do. It's like she brought sacrifices. And sacrifices will be a, at our lips, will, um, will satisfy will, uh, the, will, will, the need of sacrifices, of oxen. Which is as if we will, it's as if we actually brought sacrifices. Lest you say that though we're talking about oxen of obligation, you know, you do something out of the sense of obligation, maybe it's not as great, you've got to do it. I will heal their returning I will love them as a free will as if they have brought a free will sacrifice so there are one or two things that are worth mentioning here again first of all the question is what's the sense of baseter? is this God's greatness that even though the sin is baseter, you know and, you know he'll forgive you in a public way. Uh, you know don't so have. You don't. Have to, else, you don't you, well, no, no, but the sin was pesedir, so it could be that it's not coming to tell you like oh, and of course he'll do the same if you sin in public. It could be actually it's excluding the case mm-hmm. of public because as we saw that yesterday the whole terrible sin about chilah and so on. So we're not willing to say that it's necessarily just as easy if it's a pr- public sin. So that's one. Just noticing the word pesedir. The other thing to notice here is and that gets to the point that I made a minute ago. We were talking, discussing before this year is the question about to as a substitute for sacrifices. So, first of all, you know, it ends by just saying first it says all you need is words, like you don't need big ritual and sacrifices. I see, you know, I'd like to read a lot of this. Um, as an implicit contrast with everything that preceded about all of the Avod of Yom Kippur. So now all you need is words, you don't need big rituals, just say your tshuva. And then it is equivalent to the sacrifices. So on the one hand, it might be holding up as the sacrifices as the ideal. Um, and, you know, this is a substitute, it's equivalent to, but ultimately still the ideal would be to bring sacrifices. Although it is worth mentioning the last line where it says, not parei chova. Well, what was all of the avoda Yom Kippur? All the Avodah Yom Kippur was Parei chova. What was all the normal that you bring when you sin? It's a Chatos. It's a Parei chova. Well, not a Par, but whatever. Anyway... So, you know, everything that you... Normal normal sacrifices that are needed for the process of atonement are obligatory. Besides the whole general idea, you know, Godol, Hametz, and so on. So the fact that, yes, on the one hand, it's been framed as a sacrifice, but on the other hand, it's a different type of a sacrifice as a nidava. To me, I think that, you know, it's not necessarily saying, like, oh, you know, this is a, a, this is a substitute. Ideally, we'd be doing korbanot and chataot and this and this. Now all we have is this. There seems to be a real underscoring about the power of this itself, although here, you know, you know maybe equal or greater than that of sacrifices, although here there is a, a bit of a tension because it's sort of, in the end, framing it as sacrifices but not as obligatory sacrifices. So you get sort of like both messages going on. What's also worth mentioning in this context <coughs> is and this was what was covered yesterday, was, you know, the whole idea about how this, like, brings healing to the world. It's not just that it atones for you. Or like, the most immediate thing that we said is it extends your years. There's this broader cosmic metaphysical power of Tuva. If anybody has ever read, you know, Rav Kook's Orota Chuvah, you know, Rav Cook for Chuvah is not just, oops, a personal act of, um, not just like a personal thing that God allows you to repent and then forgive you, you know, he sort of sees it in much more sort of like messianic and cosmic terms. It's like the world re- re- rising, you know, global to a higher level, and so on. Um, so, anyway, without developing that, but it's just worth noting the way that that I I, can, I see that that can also parallel themes we discussed when we did the avoda of Yom Kippur. That the avoda of Yom Kippur is not just to atone for the individual sins, which is really just the yom mishaleach, but it's you know basically para kodesh, mitzum Israel. It cleanses the sanctuary, it has this sort of you know, allows God, it works for the nation and allows God to dwell with the nation and cleanses the sin of the sanctuary. Here, it's even bigger. It's not, you know, it's sort of universal. It brings healing to the entire world. So the idea that Tshuva like the Avodah Yom Kippur may be in ways more powerful than the Avodah Yom Kippur creates a broader cosmic, metaphysical you know, purity and elevation and bringing us closer to the divine. So again, I think it's worth thinking as we do this about the parallels that exist between this and the um, what do you call it and young people while we're talking about that I uh, you know and I'll, 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 maybe I'll repeat this when we get to this part of the mission later but it is worth mentioning that the last line of the mission which is sort of that famous uh, one also made into a song so think about how that contrast to the um, what do you call it the um, uh, what we've been talking about by Yom Kippur um, first of all uh, the Masha already points out the different ways that Rabbi Akiva is using the word Lisfnei Hashem Titharu right the last the second to last line of the Mishnah said that Yom Kippur is only Mechaper on a Lamakom because it says Nikoha Toteichem Hashem Things you turn before God, Kitaru. But they know them are not. The Rabbi Akiva not just agreeing with that, but does a twist and says, "No, no, no. Lifnei Hashem Kitaru. By being in, in the presence of God, that causes purity. Right. Lifnei Miatemitarein. Right. Your your tahara comes because you're Lifnei Hashem. Lifnei Mi. Lifnei Hashem Kitaru. And you know, Ma Nivah Metarech. Azkav Shvachem Yisrael. And that basically think about the contrast on Yom Kippur when we had the avoda. What did we do? We did the Avoda, we were mitaher. we cleansed the mikdash that allowed then God to dwell among us. Right? But we did the cleansing that allowed the God to be with us. Rabbi Akiva saying, in the absence of mikdash, and all you have is, is, is p'uvah, you directly present yourself before God. You don't have to do a prior whole avodah to get God to now be with you, and you have to do the cleansing. You present yourself before God, and God cleanses you, right? So it's an amazing, like, you know, reversal, and it's obviously more powerful. We can directly present ourselves before God on Yom Kippur, and then God will cleanse us. Um, So, again, it is interesting seeing how we are, you know, if you think about what's being said here, not just about the power of Kuvah, but given everything we said before and ways in which that I think that this is even not just oh it's just as good or it's a substitute but ways in which this is even more powerful yes Michael is uh,
1: actually, I'm just so as opposed to the Korban if you do the Korban if you say it's a kamikoi, you can't be Tova with though. you know right so you still, so you still need to do it a lot more in some way but, you know, right
0: say, I did not mean to say mark. that it was easier right the difference is that Korbanot is a ritual which Tuva is a very small part of you know and we actually there's the whole question about the Vidoi by the Par and whatever is the Vidoi ma'akev and all those issues and so on and you know and shifts where the vida, where we saw that the Vida was being raised in the significance of the Korbanot but yes that is the difference that Corbinot is a ritual whereas this is a real interior process and really requires real cuvas. I don't mean to suggest that it's easier, but in a way there's something also that's being said here in contrast that's more powerful. Yes. stories people the That's right. So he's always willing to emphasize exactly the positive. Okay. So, um, so let's take a look now as Mark continues with this. Okay, so um, right, but well, you know, I will just say one more word about that. See, I'm not here; I wasn't here yesterday, so I have to make up for it. About Rebbe, about Michael's point about Rebbe, about Yom Kippur mechaper with tshuva, without tshuva, and so on, is the same idea. Like, what does Rebbe mean? Yom Kippur mechaper without tshuva? You don't have to do any tshuva. So, on one hand, Rebbe might be trying to. Um, retain the idea of the Yom Kippur with the Korbanot. Maybe there are some rituals that achieve it, that Tshuva is not central. You know, without those rituals, without Yom Kippur or whatever, Tshuva, you know, like the American said before, well, Tshuva works for everything, but maybe even without Tshuva, you know, maybe Yom Kippur does something according to Rebbe. The same way the Korbanot, maybe you had a ritual that was effective even without the interior process of of tshuva. So there, it is worth, again, noting that, you know, in a way that's weird for us, but in a way that's actually just holding on to a reality that we had by the Corbanot. Um It is worth noting that the post here Yashonim asks the question, and he says... What, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, first of all, the Mishnah says, you know, And if you remember yesterday, the Gemara said, but according to Rabbi Yom Kippur does it by itself. So it says, fine. If you, you know, Yom Kippur does it by itself. If you did, if, you know, if you did chuva, you need Yom Kippur. But if you had Yom Kippur, you don't need Chuva. So he says, what? So why does the Mishnah say, Tshuva, you know, Yom Kippur, Mechapur, Yom chuva. Why do you have to say Yom Kippur? So, Anyway, so the Tosafist him says a line. He says, "Look, it might be true that it's mechaper, but it doesn't do the whole job." Like you know, the line here is, "I'll just read it." He says, uh, oh, now I gotta get off my glasses." He says, um, "He says, the Odiyach Loma del Rebbe It's on. Where is it? Pay here. am First column near the bottom. The Rebbe Nami Tarech Tshuva lechapara dimura. Avagav d'mani yovel kipurim lema'ite mikaret, now what does that mean that you need a kapara gemurah? What is it when it's not gemura? So it's worth noting here a famous point that R- R- Salvechik makes he wasn't the only one to make it but anyway it's a very classic part of his lectures in al where he speaks about the idea the difference between kapara and what he calls tahara if you want to use the Arabian Hebrew phrase lifnei taharim and he says it's one thing to say that a korban is mechaper or Yom Kippur is mechaper which that means basically cleanses the slate from punishment that you will not be punished it saves you from the consequence but it does not mean that it makes you into a better person how could a korban how could Yom Kippur by itself transform who you are as a person make you from a Russia into a tzaddik what it could do is it could say you won't be punished you did the thing check Yom Kippur came check you're not going to get punished Unless okay,
1: okay. Tolling, right that's, right. that's, that's the uh, the idea of tolling that's, uh, you know, you're protected until you get to the... To the, the next outside.
0: stage. Exactly. So, so that that's, you know, so that that even within Rebbe who holds on to this idea that Yom Kippur is without Chuva, does that mean there's no function of Chuva? So no, chuva obviously is what's necessary to transform you as an individual, to make you from a Russia to a tzadik, to make you a better person and so on. It's a different question about whether you're going to get punished for your sins that maybe certain rituals can get you out of. So again, that really does raise this question we're talking about. On the one hand, Yom Kippur and the Avodah and the rituals switching over to the world of Tshuva so are we saying that Tshuva is a weak substitute are we saying Tshuva is equal are we saying Tshuva is better you know more powerful like I said ways in which it's more powerful is that it has a cosmic cleansing the, mikdash, the Avodah is, it cleanses the Mikdash Shuvah maybe is, you know, brings olam, it's cosmic in terms of that power. It's better that you don't rather have to do the cleansing to allow God to come. You present yourself before God and then God actually cleanses you that's even a more powerful this, Of course, as Michael points out, you know, it's harder to do Shuvah. It's not just going through the motions. There's a real process. And that leads to the final point about what way is Shuvah different. Shuvah is about personal transformation where some of these rituals like Yom Kippur by itself or Korbanop by might just be about not being, you know, not being punished. The last thing I'll just say about that <coughs> is, is that, and we're going to get to a Gamar in a minute, about, like, what happens, uh, will Chuba continue to atone for if you keep on sinning again and again, which I think is a problem that we often have. Like, we do Chuba, you know, Kipper, then we go back, we do Chuba. Not intentionally, but, you know, it's our nature to go back to our old habits. that even Tuva, we can talk about, you know, there's a tuva that can be effective, to clean the slate and to achieve atonement and forgiveness from punishment, and that's that's a, there's a higher level of tshuva that is really per, that is really transformative for us as in you know as as individuals. It's rare that you know someone to say that's the difference tshuva me'ava tshuva me'ira, but you know different types of tshuva, type of a tshuva that really leads to profound personal transformation is much rarer. That's the ideal, and then there's a tshuva that is the sincere sense of regret and, you know, and Vidoy and and all of that, and that's genuine, even if it doesn't, it's not going to profoundly change you, and that maybe works to achieve, you know, uh, forgiveness from, from punishment without yet you know, getting at the level of personal transformation. So, yeah.
1: The idea that the rituals of Yom Kippur could, could result in Khafero without any personal atonement, we seem to fly in the face of a whole bunch of Niveen.
0: Yeah. I'll, come, I'll
1: talk about, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your, uh, fairness
0: right um, again nobody is saying that that's what's desired but it might be the fallback for people that are human and sin and so on you know so um, but that's also not talking about the process of Tuvan cleansing that's talking about what, the, what God wants from us in terms of, day, of, of our, what service of God is really about so I think there's a different focus yeah, to that don't have
1: own, maybe all this is talking about no, that's also where true where there,
0: no but I think it's different when, a guy, when the pastor says you know, you know, it doesn't mean like, oh, these don't achieve atonement. What it means is that this isn't true, Avotus Hashem. It's talking about more that daily sense of Avotus Hashem than the question of atonement. Yeah.
1: We hear so, you sure in
0: Yeah. The they try to purges. Yeah. Is that different than just checking off like you, does that really erase it? Well, that yeah, that gets to that question about, like, that that's sort of like, you know, it's 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 maybe a good word is scours. You ever try to scour a pot, especially a cholin pot after Shabbat? You can be working with that steel wool really, really hard, and you still got those more, those, 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 that black stuff isn't coming. So I think that's, like, a good image for this. It's like, you get scouring, and it causes a certain amount of, like, friction and pain and whatever, and it's still not going to totally cleanse. scours. Okay, let's get back to the Gemara. Okay. Um okay. Uh Tanya, okay. hi uh, Remair of a and here it gets again to this cosmic aspect of it, right? For an individual who does chuva, Mukhli Luko Kula brings uh, for the whole world. Now again you could say like yom kippur right? It's one your Koin Goddle doing it for everyone. But nevertheless, you know, they're even there. and it's for the and it's somewhat seen as a communal act. Here, look how powerful it is one person does, Cuba brings Machil over the world. I, can I can don't know. You know, I'm not God's scorekeeper. In the singular. Because my anger went away from him, singular, I will, I will, I will heal their, to their returnings in the plural. Okay. Okay, now, how do you measure, who, how do you determine that somebody has really done
1: Shuvah?
0: Amor um, of Yehuda. I mean, this isn't for us to judge other people, presumably for somebody to judge themselves. Um, somebody sinned and then he was presented with the opportunity for sin, not just once, like, especially, you know, motse Yom Kippur were real good, will resist, you know, the first time, but even the second time you're able to have that strength to continue to resist, you know, that is about what? sir ma khiyabi
1: by, you know as by God
0: oh that's an interesting point I hadn't thought of rather than focusing it on your, the,
1: passes, uh, the strength the of your character
0: man, yeah, right man, you it act, yeah, that's a good point <laughs> um, um, if you look at the Bach the Bach has an alternative Girsah the Bach's Girsa is you separate from it yeah. so that's an excellent point is that your Kshuvah means that divinely God will save you or do you have now the strength of character to stop not do it Rabbi Yehuda Reb Yehuda sort of uh, signaled it has to be like the exact same circumstances. That's the real test. The same woman who you cheated with before, and at the same time of year, like you know, and at the same place. So all the opportunities are there. Rashi says it's not just you know you know the question you know A could be just like the same opportunities. If it's interesting, Rashi. Rashi says, um, but also it was Rashi. Um Isha, like second third narrow line. He says, So basically Rashi talks about about like like you know, you fall into your habitual ways. Like it's just if it's the exact same circumstance, it's so easy to fall back into that pattern. So it's not just like it's the same Yetharhara, it's the same degree of temptation but there's also the power of habit not only are you tempted in the same degree and you have the same opportunity but it's so easy to fall back into your habitual ways and you still resist it well,
1: um, yes I'm not actually convinced that it that's is interesting
0: not, the assumption of using uh, a, a, a woman as the classic example of sin right. yes that,
1: that, uh, I'm, not certain, I'm not convinced that Nietzsche is in the Lahat feels I would say you Nitzah might be like one, one yeah. saves one I don't
0: time. know I would imagine there's a reflective to it but okay anyway um, so let's keep on going it says um, I'm going to um um Rab Rami Rab shows a contradiction see one plus it says Ashrei nisui Chata'a Praises the one that is lifted up of sin forgiven of sin who covers up his sin one who hides his iniquities will not succeed so are you supposed to hide your sins or not so one could of course say the difference is whether you've done Shuvah or not it's hiding your sins while you're still sinning but the Gemara assumes that it's both in the process of Shuvah so how does it reconcile it lo kasha, this isn't difficult, if it's a public sin, then you, should, you need to expose it and do tshuva publicly, people have already known you sinned, they need to now see the tshuva being done publicly, they need you to take also public accountability for it. If it's a private sin, then by doing tshuva in public, you are, it's a chil Hashem, like you're announcing to people that you sinned it, it could also be seen as giving license to it, or whatever, so if you sinned in private, do tshuva in private, don't make it public, your apology and your tshuva that's one answer if it's between you and God fine, keep it private. If it's between you and another person, make it public. Why? I mean, maybe it was initially done p- pri- privately, but presumably there, again, when it's done to another person, the concerns about is chil Hashem, to be talking about your sin, are outweighed by the concerns about the larger communal lesson. Oh my God, this person did such and such, and now he's doing chuvah, and he's making a public apology, and, you know, and the fact that, that, that how it affects other people, and the sin that was done to other people, um, is something that that sort of, those concerns um, outweigh the concerns about that it'll seem like the Hashem to admit that, you know, to announce the fact that you've sinned. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, um, So Rashi says a little different than I'm saying. Rashi is saying that if you sin to another person, you might need to publicize it because you might need um, a, if you send to many people you certainly need to publicize it but even to an individual you might need to like get people to speak to the other guy on your behalf you know and try to come to your aid to achieve the mechila as we know that mechila is part of it but even without that I would have argued that like there's always this, count, this balance right you do a if I, you know it's sort of like in, in a little way it's like the famous debate that was between the Chabad Chaim and Rabbi Yishal Salanter which is if you told Lashad Har about somebody and they don't know are you allowed to ask the person mechila, because in the process of asking mechila, you're ma- you're hurting the person because you're letting them know that you told lashon Harah about death, right? So, do you ha- and sometimes that's an <coughs> important lesson in general about apologies. Sometimes you're apologizing to make yourself feel better, not really <laughs> the other person. Anyway, so here the same thing is, you know, if you go out and you publicly say, "Oh, yeah I did this terrible sin." So so there's uh, the public gains from it. They learn, oh my gosh, look at this person. He's doing chuva, We can all learn from it. <laughs> 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 hey, never said you did which
1: you did. All right. Uh,
0: maybe. Anyway, maybe. Anyway, um, you know, so I think that there's something to be learned, but there's also a sense, like if people talk about their sins, you know, maybe it's, uh, it, it's prese- it, you know, it's a bit, it's, there's an aspect of Chil Hashem. It gives a certain degree of a license. How do we counter, how do we weigh those issues? So uh, to me, there's something very resonant about the fact that when you're hurting other people and the type of sins that can hurt other people so the, uh, you know, so sort of the, 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 the question about the lessons to the larger public outweigh the Chil Hashem types of concerns in those cases. Um, okay. So now the Gemara continues. Let's take a look. So
1: basically, you're supposed
0: to say... You're supposed to, according to this, you're supposed to do Tchuvah in public or let people know that you've sinned. Um, okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Uh, where, where are we? Tanya, Tanya, Reb Yosef, Reb Yudomir. Adam over there from well, the once it's forgiven for him. <laughs> Second time it's forgiven. <laughs> Third time it's forgiven. <laughs> Fourth time it's not forgiven. <laughs> for three, maybe like I would have forgiven. For four, I will no longer forgive. I will no longer return. But oh man, the pasuk says el yifal el. All of these God will do. <laughs> Two and three times in with a person, and the end of the pasuk is or the next pasuk is He'll return him from the depths and. From death, and so on. I mean, two to three times God will save you, you know, from the consequence, but not four times. Now, why, Omer, why do you need other positive? Maybe after four times God won't forgive you in public. As we've been talk, talking about public and Hashem, etc. Maybe as an individual God will forgive you even after four times with an individual. Now, um, so what does this mean? So why won't you get forgiven the fourth time? So you could say that basically what it means is is that after four times you're clearly your tshuva isn't sincere and you keep on falling back and you're not deserving of forgiveness, um, which is a little bit harsh because I think so many people you know the things that they are working on they could be working on their whole lives and uh, it's hard to say that what just because you know you three Kippers you keep on backsliding the fourth time you're not going to get forgiven so it's worth noting that the Gemara did not say if you did Shuvah it just said God will forgive and Rambam actually you know Mike was asking before about who knows God so I don't know the answer to that but you know on every um the and we always say, right, uh, what do we say? Mavir we shown, right? You pass away the first ones. So the Raman has this whole, like, uh, you know, sort of uh, equation worked out. The first one, two things, God, like, doesn't even count them against you because, yeah, those are, like, you know, it's th- those are slip-ups. It only starts getting counted against you by number three and then sometimes only by number four. So the Raman reads this Gemara not about if you've done chuva if you've done Shuvah, God will forgive you a million times. He reads this Gemara that God will just automatically discount the first one, two, three times and only start counting the fourth time. Now, it doesn't mean you completely forget the first few times. Rambam's got a whole cheshman that if you are punished, then we're going to go back and add them. But in terms of some initial sense of a cheshman, we'll like sort of, you know, let the first few times go before we start actually, you know, pe- you know, you know taking you to account. So it is worth noting that Rambam reads this Gemara to be without Shuvah. With tshuva is a different story because otherwise it'd be a pretty st- scary Gemara that if you slip up three times you can no longer you know do tshuva if that's oh, it's supposed to be four times yeah well after three right anyway yeah well if you read it in light of what we just saw earlier
1: it would be the same identical circumstances the same identical
0: well that could be too so maybe you're saying <laughs> that'll never happen <laughs> and maybe <laughs> that'll never happen but like you
1: said right that could be the same story even the, the same the that same that it's the exact
0: time. same thing as know, getting is getting deeply ingrained you know, right until you really work to un to dis uningrain it right so that's so interesting
1: three, three times out. <laughs> yeah right three strikes. Oh, strikes no yeah
0: three strikes is okay four strikes <laughs> right. tater a banana and now talking about the idea about uh, backsliding but here actually is somewhat of the opposite that if you already uh, did did vidoy then don't bother going back to it on the next Yom Kippur you're done with it no you're not doing it anymore if you are now if you are going back and you're still you know you've sinned again then 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 clearly you need to do another vidoy presumably not just for this year's sins but for last years as well, because clearly your veto of last year wasn't effective. But if you did veto it last year and you haven't gone back to your old ways, then you can just move on, which is very psychologically powerful, right? How long are you supposed to be weighed down by your past sins? One of the amazing ideas that Yom Kippur is mechafer, why is Yom Kippur mechafer, as opposed to just kuvah, right? If we want to think about it, like, you know, we've been talking about ritual and so on, like, what, what's the, how would we explain the logic why God will allow, like, just the day to be mechaper if we haven't ourselves changed, and or, you know, with a lesser degree of kuvah? what's that power? And part of the idea is, is because, you know, you get totally weighed down with your sins and then it becomes you become you, you, you lose the impetus to you know to be a better person and you lose the impetus to you know to try to, to continue to grow you need that right balance of accountability without that sense of being completely laden down with uh, with guilt and the sense of how terrible you are and you're such a sinner so this is actually a very healthy idea it's like you know what if you've done Shuvah and you haven't gone back and back you know and and, and you've actually freed yourself from that past behavior move on with your life. Don't let it continue to weigh you down. That will only be counterproductive. So that's the first answer of the Gemara Kamyang. That's the first answer of the Then the Gemara says, I like that answer. Then the Gemara says, um, uh, and if you did did not repeat and you really <laughs> freed yourself and you're still going back and doing Vita and you're still agonizing over it, you're like a dog returning on its vomit. Like it's only going to do bad for you. You've done Move on with your life. Right. Okay? You really have freed yourself from it. That's a foolish man going back to his foolishness. You're just bringing yourself back to that past identity. In a way, maybe you're even getting yourself back into the mindset of sin. You're a different person now. Move on. Rabbi ben Yaakov, man Now, Rabbi ben Yaakov says, No, actually, it's better. If you even after be you free, to go back and to, and to do tshuva about it again. Shinemar my sins I will I will let be let known or I will know my sin is constantly in front of me what do you do with the idea of a dog returning to its vomit it doesn't mean you're, you're returning to your vomit if you do chuva on it. You're returning to your vomit if you continue doing the sin. That's what it is to return to your vomit. It's to, if, and once you've done it once and twice, it's now permitted to you. So the command says, what, just because you've done it twice, now it's actually permitted? No. You, it becomes, you have so much learned to rationalize your behavior that it no longer feels like an aver anymore. So the idea of going back to your vomit is not, is not going back and doing tshuva. It's going back and repeating your sin. That's what's the returning to your vomit. But doing tshuva, even after you've freed yourself from it, he says, that's a good thing. So again, you know, my... Uh, my uh, um so my, you know my uh N- neshama goes out to the first approach you know <laughs> as the psycho not just for me personally but as the psychologically healthy one you know I suppose that there's a proper balance which is, is that if you don't agonize over it you know you would because there's still the reality you did something wrong especially what if it was a bain Le l'chazeiro type of a sin that there's you know lasting repercussions about the acts that you've done and so on so you know to sort of have that balance between you know but to be sort of acknowledge it from afar as opposed to be sort of agonizing and immersed with that sense of, of, of guilt you know and so on I mean notice that the word doesn't say it's a mitzvah to go back and to, uh, and to agonize over it it says there's a mitzvah to be although the prophet that of course does have that sense of like constantly feeling terrible for, the, for your past sins so you know the first approach does seem to be the more psychologically healthy although um, the second approach is quoted but I think that the right balance has to be struck between the two of them ok Yes uh being punished for past sins yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe uh but i you know, I don't see that as being as being or brought as as, as as yeah That sense of, right, of like collective punishment going through. Yeah, no, but he was just saying the idea that we have, like that the sin of, you know, Zemaragalib resides and that the past things you've done might carry on afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I think that I'd rather leave that to the limited context in which we find that, because the you know, is much more about that sense of like your personal. This is really much more shifting away from the, as I just, you know, like I said, like you know, in the Torah, much more the sense of collective and communal, and you know, and so on. And this is much more at the individual level, so which I think you know resonates much more with us today. Yeah, you know,
1: the liturgical application of this. First position, is found very powerful. In other words, there are some new scha'od in which you stay in Tachanun every day. Right. So that Yom Kippur, in a way, has been supported by an ongoing process of being able to move through the, You know what I mean? It's not all right. a thousand tons falling right. on one day year. <laughs> right. As well. Right.
0: You've already sort of acclimated yourself reflectively. Right. Right. Okay. So now the message is like this. um, Okay. Now, when you do Dvidoy, you have to uh, detail the sin. You have to identify, list the things that you've done wrong. Again, you know, that's obviously a very important part of owning up to the responsibility um, and of not doing it again, you know, as opposed to doing it in a very generic way. Shne'amar, Ana chata ha'am aze, this people have sinned the great sinned, they made gods of gold. So Moshe said explicitly, of course, that's funny because that's more like a ritual vidola. He's not, he's doing it for the people, you know. So now we're getting into that again, the question of kuvah versus ritual. Diva Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba. Rabbi Akiva no, praise is the one that covers the sin. And now this is quite fascinating. This is even in the video between you and God. This is not the discussion we had before about whether you're supposed to do it. Let other people know about your Cuban, about your sin. And Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva says, even between you and God, you don't, you, you should not be listing it. Which is quite fascinating. Does he feel that that means that like, by listing it, it's almost like uh, a brazenness? You know, so therefore, if you're like so embarrassed, you can't even say what you sinned. If you feel comfortable saying what you sinned, maybe it's a problem that you, you know, maybe there's too much of a sense of a brazenness to it. Or maybe it's similar to discussions before, you feel that you'll get so weighed down by it. Although here you really do understand, it's hard, for, it's hard to, to understand the idea of, of saying you not only are you not required, but you actually even shouldn't in your personal visaway mention the sins. Um, what does it mean that Moshe said explicitly they made gods of gold why did he say that if you're not supposed to mention your sins to Rabbi Yannai, like Rabbi Yannai, Amr Rabbi Yannai, Amr Moshe, listen to God. Moshe said to God, "Be honest, Shalom. Kesavu Rabbu here. Be Salem, dai. You gave them so much gold and silver until they said enough.' enough. This is on the play in the words 'Vedi Zav' in the beginning of Dvarim. Dai Zav, enough gold. You gave them so much gold and silver. Garulem she yaslal You did it to them. You gave them so much gold and so What are they supposed to do if not sin? So that's why he said, 'Vayasulem la Yizav.' It was all you. You you gave them too much temptation. Okay, so that. That's why he mentioned it but not as part of the process of vidoy. So here again a fascinating idea of Rabbi Akiva that you should not mention your sins during vidoy. Not only are you not required you should not again maybe that sense you should be so ashamed of them it's hard to understand exactly why you should not. Even okay. your friend?
1: When you're asking to
0: just No, sense? presumably between you and God. You have, khili, you have to ask for something specific. Okay, now within this discussion of mentioning sins we're going to look at two examples. Two great um, uh, sort of uh, sustained meaning like leaders uh, stood for the Jewish people. Moshe David. Moshe David. Moshe Amar Yichtov Surchani. Moshe said, let my sin be written. It says what Moses sin was, that you did not, you know, and you, and, and you didn't say to find me. David says, no, I don't want my sin to be written. Praise is the one that covers the sin. So right now, what, we're, what we that theme we've been dealing with, to say it, not say it, do it to, to to let it be known in public, or not let it be known, this is both sort of being held up now as two contrasting models. But we're not going to just leave it as two contrasting models we're actually going to try to reconcile them and see the reason behind them let's take a look what would be a good example of the case of Moshe and David two women were given lashes in the court one really messed up which means she committed adultery one did a minor sin she ate unripe fruit on Shemitah before it was and it was considered like a waste of Shemitah produce she didn't wait for it to be ripe Okay. So, so, the one who, who ate the unripe fruit did a minor sin, and she got the same public embarrassment as the one who committed adultery. So she said to the officers, she said, uh, Please do me a favor. Let it be known on what she, meaning I, am receiving lashes. I would like my sin to be made public, that I, that I got lashes for the uh, eating of these uh, unripe fruit. Why? yomru, people should not say that I was got lashes for the reason she got lashes. They'll say I committed adultery too. I'd rather you let me know why I did it. So people should not associate me with the same thing that she got. So he viu they took the figs, if the they strung it around her neck, Omim and they would make a big announcement and say Oh she is getting lashes for, Sh- for Shemitah. Now, for presumably meaning that Moshe is saying, look, I, did, I, you know, I got this big punishment, David got this punishment, David got this punishment for, I don't know, for, 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 for committing adultery and sleeping with Baksheva and the whole thing with Uriah. I'd rather you let it be known that my punishment was because I spoke to the rock or I hit the rock <laughs> and speak to the rock. So it seems like it's contrasting to David. It seems very clear. Rashi, interestingly, says that Moshe is saying it's a contrasted to the chait of the, of the Dor HaMidbar, that it shouldn't be said that I didn't go into Eretz for the same reason they didn't go into Eretz al that my sin was less than their sin. But again, from the concept of the Gemara, it sounds like he's contrasting it to David, which then raises the interesting issue. Like, when do you make the sins public? When don't you make the sins public? Have a lot to do with, like, you know, what's being achieved by making it public. Is it bringing. Part of the, though, this is fascinating is that this is a concern not about God, not about the larger you know, but about your own honor. Like, are you doing it to protect yourself to make it public, or are you doing it to protect yourself to make it private? Private, you know, what you have to do to respect your own honor, which is an interesting thing to acknowledge. Like, it's not like we need the chuba process to lead to public humiliation, right? The whole idea here is to preserve a sense of human dignity and to give you that sense. It's not about complete self-abasement. It's in order to give you the human dignity and the sense that you're a good person and that you can move on and do chuba and do better and so on. So thinking about this issue of private and public just in the sense of preserving your own dignity, and that is sort of part of the choice. So that's also like an interesting question about being even between you and God like how much is it going to lead to a complete sense of you know being wor- worthless and self-abasement um, also, I think really important. Wrong with
1: this judicial system? Yeah. They that they give the same and punishment? And <laughs> on <laughs> <person with laughs>
0: yeah, anyway. Wow. Anyway, Page is only draw a bonnet, smack as If it was real adultery, it would be misa, so yeah. Yes. Anyway, moving on.
1: Rashi calls the a little closer in the sense that there's two parties at the same time getting the same
0: punishment. Right, by saying that it's Moshe and Durah Mitbar when the Gemara, the Gemara set it up by saying same way by Moshe and David and didn't tell you the David part of it right so I think it's clear that, you know I, again I understood why Rashi was doing it but Rashi ignores the whole David part of this ok now the Gemara continues it says like this Mefarsimim. this is all a quote of a Tosefta Mepharsimim you publicize the sort of the uh, uh, what's the word the sycophants how does it translate kind of the people that are uh, <coughs> hypocrites yeah. all right meaning um, people it would be a desecration of God somebody goes around he acts like a tzaddik he's really this terrible disgusting person so are you supposed to out him so actually it's a fascinating gemara you have a responsibility to out him because of desecration of God's well, name ago, your own sins yeah. but this person apparently is a public like a way Rashi understands it is a public official and a leader and therefore it's a chel Hashem that if somebody does who's a and presumably this person is presenting himself as a tzaddik and he's doing perversion God says I will cause him to trip presumably I want it to be publicized I don't want people to be misled if you look at Rashi right? Rashi says what does this mean Rashi about ten lines down in the narrow lines in the second column Rashi says I mean these things happen right somebody's going around and he has a leadership position a religious leadership position and you know that this guy is a big hypocrite and you know the nasty things he does you should publicize it. the maybe me masab that he's going to. You know, this type of a person does not deserve to be serving in this role of religious leadership, and you have a responsibility to. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the rule. What is it that there's like no uh, libel? You know, whatever that there's a You know, for like public figures right isn't that, that that rule here in the states yeah that there's a harder. what harder.
1: much harder yeah much to, right to if you're a public
0: figure anyway so you know that's you're right. so well yeah but okay anyway but that's quite you know but but again it's not like it's not like saying this guy is a Sex abuser, and therefore you have to prevent him from, you know, from, uh, you know, from, uh, from, from, from seeing people in private because he's going, you know, like there's a direct one-to-one connection. It's just the fact that he, it, you know, what I'm saying it's not like the thing that you know about him, he's direct, directly endangering people with. But it's just the fact that you know he's a hypocrite, and he has this position of leadership and presumably even religious leadership means that he's a danger, and you have to protect people from that potential danger, which is quite fascinating okay Um, those types of questions really do come up All right. let's get back to the Gemara Um, okay Um, the Tshuva even about like uh, died in the world people people that are complete sinners even they can do Tshuva and that prevents uh, punishment even if it was already completely decided that they were going to get punishment their Tshuva works the fact that there is uh, uh, tranquility for the wicked don't, you know, how is it that good people have it bad people have it good don't worry in the end it will be their stumbling it will cause them to sin or whatever they will get their comeuppance in the world to come and positions of authority this is a funny collection of statements it's almost a little Pirkei Avosish and <laughs> the positions of authority uh, will wind up burying the people that, that sees it so positions of, uh, of, of leadership and authority are uh, right. I mean, uh, right exactly well, uh, uh, well whatever uh, right. you will go into these positions naked and you will leave naked don't think you're going to come out decked with all these uh, royal clothes or whatever they will strip you they'll you know they'll chew you up and spit you out alive okay you'll be lucky if when you leave you're in as good of a shape as when you entered in Rebbe when he would go out to sit in court. To be, a, to be a judge he would say the following with, the, um, with, with my own desire I am preparing myself to be going out to be killed meaning that I accept upon myself the full responsibility of, my, of the judgments that I will pass even if I God forbid you know pass a wrong judgment and I'll be deserving of, the, of, of, of punishment for having ruled incorrectly uh, and I'm not even doing anything for my own house like I'm not even making any money off of this. I'm not helping myself. I'm only exposing myself to punishment and danger in the doing of, my, of, this, of this role. So Reikon Labai, Aziel and I will go back empty-handed to my house. Like, I'm not doing anything for my own purpose. Like, you know, when Moshe Rabbein says, Lo Hamor Ched Nehem Nasati, you know, the true leaders, all they get is aggravation and uh, mm-hmm. criticism and so on, and they're not doing anything for themselves, and they're accepting all of the burden of responsibility.
1: your <laughs> <The, laughs>
0: What? Yeah. The Levi I would only be so lucky if when I come back home it'll be as good as when I left the house. Rav HaKyavi Nafik Same sir. Rav when he would go out with Dina Amar HaZi he'd say the following. B'tzavu Nafshe with my own desire the Ketala Nafik B'tzavu Beisei Lai Suavi Vareka Lebeisei Azia Le Levi Shatei Bia Ki Itziah The same as we said before. B'ki Havi Chaze Ambu HaDe Batre When he saw a crowd of people following him Amar he would say In Yale L'Shamayim Say oh if, the, if the, you know, the height goes up to heaven his head goes up to the clouds like a pile of dung he will ultimately be, you know, be destroyed so he tries to humble himself you know, when it, you know, when these circumstances would happen it wouldn't go to his head um, sure. and everybody where is he like people that thought they were so great in their lives you know nobody remembers them they're just like a big pile of dung now okay. when Rav Zutra they would carry him on the shoulders on the Shabbos of the uh, Rega when he would go out to give the public lecture um, he would say he would try to keep him to, you know, to help from getting haughty Property is not forever. The and the crown, and and the crown is not for future generations. So so now the living up the face of the wicked is not good. Now we're going back to this idea of the presumed of the Tosefta about how, you know, about the good things that happen to the wicked. In the end, it'll be their comeuppance. It's not good to the wicked. So we're back to the earlier theme. That they have it good in this world. In the end, that's going to come to back to bite them. It wasn't good to Achav that he had it good in this world. Because Achav is like has humbled himself before me, God allows his years to be extended. But but the end of it, but it although the years will be extended, I won't bring the evil in his day. I'll bring it in his kids' day. So this gets back to the point that David you were making that it's not going to be. It's, you might not the wicked people might not get punished, but it's not going to do him any good. And the end their future generations will get it like double as a result to incline for the righteous person the, the judgment so that means to incline against them the judgment it's good to the, to the righteous that they don't have it so good in this world it was good that Moshe didn't have it good in this world that he didn't go into the land why? that he was not forgiven that he was you know, also means like he wasn't forgiven it's good that he wasn't forgiven he got his punishment in this world so it doesn't carry on in future generations. Shanae Amar, as the plusic says, um, so therefore you won't bring the people in if you had believed in me and had acted properly you would not have died and you would have gone into the land but it was good that you got punished I meaning again remember panim can mean to act favorably but you remember the theme I like talking about about no to lift up the sin so that if they're forgiven for the sin their account is still held over and their future generations are punished whereas the tzaddikim if they're not if they're not forgiven meaning if they're, if, they're, if they're not if they're punished for their sin then it won't be held over to future generations so let's keep on reading about this that's the idea do you want to get paid up now or do you want all your future generations to suffer? Ashreim le Tzaddikim. Praise other other righteous. Lodayen sheim zochim. Not only do they merit, Elishem izzakim libnehem uvnei bnei matsov kol adoros. They merit, the merit they do is for all future generations. Shekama banim hayilo la Aron sheurim li sareit kinad had a couple of sons that should have been burnt meaning um, um, Elazani Tamar also should have been burnt when, when Menalb and Avia were burnt Sheneamar Hanotarim it says the remaining sons which is understood to mean that they were left over but they were deserving of being burned presumably because they went up and they saw had that vision of God you know at the end of Parshat Mishpatim and so on Vayochlu Vayishtu etc but because Aaron, you know, he bequeathed his merits to future generations. So there, the Rishayim passed down their debts, passed down their, you know, their, their punishments to future generations. The Tzadikim, they get punished for their sins now, and they pass down their merits to future generations. Okay? O'eulam l'Rishayim, woe to the wicked, not only do they make themselves, uh, you know, do they bring sin, uh, you know, you uh, know, it's uh, punishment upon themselves. They bring the punishment to future generations. You know, Canaan would have had many descendants that would have been fit to receive smicha like Tevi. Right? Tevi was the, was the slave of, of Rabban Amlia. All slaves were seen as descendants of Canaan. And he was a huge Tamil Chacham. So, Canaan had many descendants that could have been huge Tamil Chachamim and could have had smicha. But because of Canaan's sin, it got passed down to future generations. So basically the point being that the Rishayim have it good sometimes in this world? Yeah. But they pass down all of the punishment. Don't worry, their descendants. descendants. It's an interesting shift. Normally you say, they'll get it in Olam Haba. Now we're actually saying, no, no, no. Their descendants will get it in and all, all, be all be of like Hajj. I don't know. I, the children will be punished. Run like be It seems to be going back to the point made before, those accounts will be held over and will all future generations will suffer as a result. Whereas the tzaddikim they'll get punished, but the result will be that they get to hold over. What do you what do you collect maybe here's a good model since we've spoken about the whole model of debt. What are you collecting interest on? So if you get if you pay up all of your debts, then you keep your Credits in the bank, and you get interest on your credits, and therefore that interest gets you know inherited to future generations. Whereas if you get all of your rewards in th- this way, then all of your debts are a loan, and you keep on paying interest in future you know, they're, generations. The Children
1: doing it. it's a little bit different. But all
0: right, different. Call, fine. Call him a Zaka anyway, but that's the metaphor. The metaphor is: Are you holding over your your merits, and then everybody is getting interest off of your merits? Are you holding over your debts, and they're all continuing to pay the interest on your debts? Call them a Zaka as Anybody who brings merit to the masses does not, does not, um, does not uh, will not be uh, you know f- 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 uh, stumble in sin. To call him a <speaking> if somebody causes the masses to sin, Kimat, <speaking> Kimat, interesting, Kimat, <speaking> So even when we're talking about the whole divine justice here and equaling the account we don't want to completely discount the efficacy of tufa. So if you cause the masses to sin. Practically, you won't have an opportunity to do tshuva. I know, I know. Sorry, I don't know if you have that. Some say that you don't actually go. I understand. but with our gears of kimat, I think it's powerful that they don't want to completely discount tshuva. my or Why? be we You shouldn't be in Gehenim and everybody that I brought merit to is getting ganedin. you will not abandon my soul to the to the nether world. You won't allow your righteous to see the to to, to, to see the destruction. The speaking the other here doesn't have the word kimaat. You don't but even there it doesn't say it, it says you don't give him the opportunity to do. Shuva. It doesn't say that if he does chuva it won't be effective. Even without the word kimat, it does not say that shuvah is not effective. It says you don't provide he won't have the opportunity to do chuva So will Yehu began Eden, with of again that would be completely unjust if he would be going gen- and everybody he brought would be in Gehenim, Shanamer, Adam Ashok Badam Nefesh, Ad Boyanus he will go down into the into the well, no one will give him support. Okay. Tomorrow, God willing, if we can keep up good pace, we will finish the mistakes. Of course there won't be the opportunity. Exactly.